Hey everyone, Apex Shadow creator Joseph Boslinski here. I uh, just wanted to say thank you all for your patience. Uh, a lot of craziness was going on with myself and the cast and the world in general over the last several months, so this episode took a lot longer to come out than uh, I think any of us would have liked. But the response to our pilot was amazing, and we are very excited for you to hear our newest episode, um, as well as everything we've got coming up uh, in the future. Uh, just a couple of things before we get started. Uh, some of us are still working on our audio setups, figuring out what works best for us and the resources that we have available. Uh, some of us uh, were in school while episode two was recorded, so um, acoustics are, are the devil. <laughs> we're still uh, figuring out how best to work with, with what we have. Um, so audio is not always going to be great uh, everywhere across the board. Um, a lot of us are very new to this still. We're still figuring it out. So uh, please be patient with us as we continue to grow and learn and try to bring you the best possible show that we can. All right. Uh, without any further ado, uh, let's get on with the show. Apex Shadow contains content that may prove upsetting for some listeners. Specific content warnings can be found in the show notes. It's been a very lucrative week for Colin Reeve. Lots of zeros in his bank account. Ah, uh, man, it's good to be home. Colin just finished a major job. He's a whole lot richer for it, but he's tired. So goddamn tired. And scientists are still baffled by the strange readings emanating from the trench, as so far, all underwater investigation has led to nothing but more questions. We'll be sure to keep you appraised as the oh, situation- God damn it! Let the fucking window open again! Maybe it's the years catching up to him. The loneliness? Maybe it's the things he had to do to get paid tonight, or so many nights before. But this is getting harder for him. Just gonna, just gonna relax for a bit is all. Fucking chill out, cool off, put my feet up, smooth sailing for the weekend, baby. One more job, that's all he needs. One more job. And he can stop doing these horrible things to people who'll never know he was even there when he destroyed their lives. One more job, and maybe he'll be able to quit drinking so much. Here's to my imminent fucking retirement, boys. But he's speaking to no one, of course. The modest apartment is empty. Or at least, it's supposed to be. Colin Reeve. Jesus fucking Christ! The voice sends Colin all but blasting up out of his chair. He stumbles, hits the floor hard. Oh, fuck! Getting back to his knees, he looks for the voice and finds him. The one the capes and the punks have both been whispering about on the streets. Fucking man in black, fuck! Man, please! I hate that name. He stares into those unwavering red eyes. The horns jutting up from the intruder's smooth black helmet give him the appearance of something from Colin's childhood nightmares. You! I heard about you! I know you! Alright! Do you? Yeah, sure! You! You! Uh, fuck me, man! You only go after bad guys, right? Like, fucking capes and shit! I'm not... I don't even... What the fuck do you want with me, man? The man in black strides closer to Colin now, taking ownership of this space, of him. I know who you are, Colin. 
Or should I call you Fade Out? Colin's blood halts in his veins. His worst fears are unfolding in front of him now. I... Listen, I... 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 I don't... Don't insult me, Colin. If you know who I am, the least you could do is show some dignity before you die. I... 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 Listen, I don't... I don't... That's not me, man. That's... Spying. A paid voyeur. A proverbial fly on the wall, selling what you see and hear to the highest bidder. Someone paid you for Roland McGuire's secrets. Please, man. But you didn't just ruin him. His company. You outed his daughter, too, didn't you? I didn't know she was gonna... Kill herself. Too late. Colin realizes he's just let the cat out of the bag. It, it's not my fault. She did it herself. She did it to her fucking self. That wasn't supposed to happen. And yet... The man in black draws his signature weapon. A massive custom-built pistol. No, 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 no. Fuck you! Colin tenses the familiar muscles inside of him. In spite of the terror he feels rising up in him, hard as it is to move, to think, this he knows how to do. This is still as easy as breathing for him. As the man in black raises his weapon, pointing it at where Colin was a moment before, the man called Fadeout has already started moving carefully, stealthily intent on making his way towards the bedroom. Towards the secret escape panel, he'd started a fucking gang war just so he could pay to have installed. A few steps. A few careful, breathless steps, and he'll be far, far the fuck away from all of this. And this terrifying, murdering psychopath won't be his fucking problem any- What's the most frightening thing you can say to an invisible man? Colin freezes. He doesn't even allow his heart to beat. I can still see you. No, wait! Apex Shadow, Episode 2. Fragile Little Gods. Part 1. Featuring the voices of Starlene, Joseph Boslinski, Loretta Chang, Ian Blancas, Vinny, Ellis Petrell, Alexandria Hudson, Demonic Seed, Debug, Oliver Summers, Sarah Jacklin, Justice Markowski, and Callista Robinson. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Amber. Here, uh, this one's for you. Uh, here you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Super dark, bitter as hell. Ah, my hero. How goes it? It's going well, I suppose. Day started two hours ago for me. And this is the first five minutes I've had to think since I sat down. Yeah, the city keeps us busy, I guess. That's one way of putting it. What about you? Uh, what about me what? You look a little worn down. Uh, had a long night last night. Oh, good for you. 
<laughs> Not like that. Oh, well, my condolences then. Thank you. Probably just as well, though. But Detective seems like the jealous type. Wait, the... you mean Kate? The first name basis cop? Oh, yeah. I, I barely know her. I've talked to her a grand total of... Five times? And you just met her not three weeks ago. I... <laughs> I don't even think she's into men, Amber. Or, uh, humans, for that matter. Well, maybe when another alien invasion happens, they can take her with them. Come on, Amber. By the way, she's in your office. What? I told her she's not supposed to be in there uninvited. But when I started mentioning HIPAA violations, she threatened to shoot me. No, she didn't. She did. With her eyes. God damn it. I'm not bringing you coffee tomorrow. Yes, you are. You're right, I am, but uh, I shall do so begrudgingly. Have fun. Jack takes a moment to remove his glasses to rub at the bridge of his nose. Then he puts them back on, takes a deep breath, and opens the door to his office. Hey, morning, Jack. Wow, you look shit. Good morning, Kate. That's, um, just my face. Also, you are in my chair. Is our chair now, comrade? <sighs> Get up. Nuh-uh, no way. I am commandeering this chair. Official police business. That's not... <laughs> uh, what sort of police business, exactly? It's comfy. <laughs> Can't argue with you there. What can I do for you? Kate rests her elbows on Jack's desk and frowns at him. I know your secret. Jack freezes. He's caught entirely off guard. I... <clears throat> well, everyone's got secrets, Kate. <laughs> I'm no exception. But you'll have to be a bit more specific. You're actually a decent human being. Well, I try. No, you don't. You just are. I'm, uh, absolutely not above just... Standing here being flattered, but I don't think my boss would approve of such a use of my time. So, uh, what's this about? No, it's just, you know, I don't meet a lot of genuine people who want to help. Everyone I ask seems to love you. You've been asking about me? Good people freak me out. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Nope. How's the rib? Ribs. Plural. They're, uh, better. I'll be alright. Good. That's another thing. You really helped me with that case. The Blitz's crazy goddamn wife, the one who... Killed Lara. Yeah. Margot Redmond's not gonna hurt anybody else ever the fuck again, though. I'm happy about that. But? Just wish we'd been able to nail that bitch in court. But, you know... Kate makes a very melodramatic shooting gesture with her right hand. I'm the man in black! Pew, pew! Fear me! Rawr! Asshole. You're still mad about your vigilante, huh? Goddamn right I am. She brings her imaginary gun to the side of her head, and mimes pulling the trigger. That's, um, a bit dark. Is it? I hadn't noticed. Neither one of them says anything for a few long moments. Then... You saved my life. I know. And I am so fucking angry about it. Yeah. I know, Kate. I didn't fucking ask him to do that fucking murdering piece of shit she clasps her hands in front of her now stares at him intently demanding answers 
What do you think his deal is anyway? Professional opinion. Um, criminal psychology isn't really my sphere. Yes, but you are the first mental health professional I've spoken to in over a decade who doesn't make me want to self-medicate rather violently. Now we are rather insufferable at times. Yep. But you are the least so. So far. So... Your thoughts? Give them to me. Jack takes his time choosing his words, lopping down on the leather couch usually reserved for clients. He takes off his glasses and stares at something Kate can't see. Another time and place, perhaps? Honestly, your guy sounds, um, mad as hell. Uh, pure goddamn rage. Something happened to him, and uh, this is how he's coping. But it sounds like he's trying to keep it focused, at least. Uh, picking his targets carefully, going after them with, um, precision. He's on a mission. You think he's military? Possibly. Uh, from what you've told me, he knows his way around weapons and equipment. Uh, don't forget the um, controlled demolition of that wall the night he killed Margot Redman. That was something, I'll tell you what. Think he's got a bone to pick with capes? Not capes in general, I don't think. I think it's um more specific than that. Deeper than that. So, what then? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. You'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of questions, believe me. Still want to know why the fuck he saved me that night. I don't think that one's all that complicated, actually. How do you figure? Jack slips his glasses back on and gives Kate an awkward smile. He probably just thinks you're a good person, Kate. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> hey, hey! I'm just- <laughs> Look, you asked- I take it back. You are terrible at your job. You're the worst. And far be it for me to argue. Come in. Madison Park steps into the room. Jack's boss. Kate's never seen her in person before. Just pictures. She's tall. Very tall. Built like money. Dressed like it too. Her business suit is slate gray with blue and gold accents. She has fiery red hair, cropped short and severe. And her eyes... A darker than night. You're up, Jack. Lay it on me. Just got a call about a domestic. It's getting ugly. How ugly? Cape. Oh, no. Responding officers are having a real bad time of it. They're asking I send someone over to try and de-escalate. No one's hurt yet, but they don't have the tools to deal with. Well, this. Who is it? Champion. Ah, uh, hell. Are you serious? I'm afraid so. Shit. All right, I'm on my way. I'll push the details to yourself. I'll help. I can get you through the traffic. Uh, thanks, but these... Listen, when you mix superpowers with domestic violence, it... These can get real bad, Kate. Yeah, well, I can get real fucking bad, too. Shut up and get in the fucking car. Let's go. At Jack's request... Kate forgoes a siren. It's a 15-minute drive in midday traffic, but the champion has enhanced senses, so they can't be too careful, he reasons, in not provoking him further. So, she sticks to just an emergency light and opts to commit as many traffic violations as possible on the way there. His real name is Liam Turner. He's got a wife, Jasmine, 
and a ten-year-old son, Augie. Any history of DV before this? No. Liam used to be everything they said he was on his trading cards. The kind of guy every little boy in America wanted to grow up to be. But, well, the downtown tragedy did a number on a lot of people. And unlike most of those people, Liam can put his fist through concrete as easily as he can breathe. His hearing's not nearly on the same level, but it is superhuman. So are the rest of his senses. So watch your back. She's never seen him like this before. She deserves... So much better than this. They both do. Jesus, what the hell, Liam? Kate is caught off guard. Looking at him now, she realizes that while Jack's voice is calm, he's staring straight ahead, and his expression is made of stone. You... know them? He's famous, Kate. But you... know... them. He is looking at her out of the corner of his eye. The emotions coming off him are hard to read. A long time ago. A different life. He wouldn't remember me. You gonna be all right? I have to be. Officer Morrison is just shy of 30 years old. And if you ask him, he's nowhere near ready to die. But as he cranes his neck up to meet the gaze of a god, every breath he takes makes him wonder if today might be the day. Look, Mr. Turner... Nobody respects what you've done more than me. Are you trying to patronize me, boy? No, sir, no. Not at all. I just... If you've got something to say to me, you be a man and you say it. Enough of this pussyfoot bullshit. I've had a long fucking day. I I'm sorry, sir. It's just that you can't... Can't? The veins on Liam Turner's neck are rapidly growing in size, such that Morrison thinks they may be eligible for their own zip code any moment now. Sir... I? Boy, did you just try to tell me what I can and cannot do in my own home. That's... Do they just give out badges to retards now? Is that what this is? Are you retarded, son? Please, don't use that... Do you know who the fuck I am? Don't you fucking try to tell me! Kate and Jack arrive on the scene, and Jack's out the door almost before she brings the vehicle to a halt. She makes a move to try and slow him, but he's already moving with surprising speed, and she rushes to catch up. Jack, wait! Jesus. Alright, awesome. Good thing this isn't already a complete and utter shit show. As Kate moves up the walk, she takes note of the kitchen table lanced straight through the front windshield of a police car. Fuck. Oh, would you fucking look at this? There are more of you? More cops? This is outrageous. Mr. Turner, I, uh, I'm not a cop. Small fucking wonder. My name is Jack Dobson. I'm a social worker with Caliburn Services. Oh, this is just... So the city's pet shrinks are in my fucking business now? This is the thanks I get? I understand how upsetting this must be. For everyone, including you. That's one fucking word for it. Absolutely. You've saved countless lives, and now police are on your property, and they're accusing you of some pretty nasty things. It's gotta be awful. Yes, it's awful. It's bullshit. I understand, and I'm sorry we have to go through all this. But they can't leave. We're way past that. Why isn't my fucking word good for anything? You're standing here screaming at my guys from your doorstep. And you did a whole lot of damage to city property. Turner laughs. It's an ugly, throaty sound. that makes Kate's eardrums rattle. You want to see some fucking damage, lady? I can do a lot worse than fucking up a windshield. Hey! You don't talk to her like that! The fuck are you gonna do about it, son? Alright, that's enough! He turns back to Kate and Morrison. Hands up. 
palms out. Kate, officer, let me just calm things down here, all right? Give us some space. We need calm. Just give me a minute. Kate nods, though she's having a hard time not picturing the man on the porch being thrown into the sun. Come on, Morrison. Let's let the man work. That's what he gets paid for. As they move further away, Kate nudges the nervous officer in the ribs. You don't talk to her like that. Look at you. Sorry, that was... I know you don't need... I just... I can see how you were able to bamboozle a couple of hapless women into wearing a ring already in your life. Thank you? Don't mention it. As Kate leads Morrison away, Jack continues, trying to defuse the situation. If a bunch of armed cops showed up at my house and started accusing me of these things, treating me like a monster, especially after what you did during the downtown tragedy, I'd be ready to throw around some furniture myself. But they... Jack gestures back towards the anxious cops, ready for the worst. Let's cool this down. Nobody's been hurt. There's been some damage, but it's all replaceable. You're a hero. They know that. Do they? Everyone does. But you don't want to throw that away in your anger, right? Don't give them more excuses to think less of you. So please, just go with them, just to talk. That's all. The superhero lets out a long rush of air from his nostrils, regarding Jack with a face made of stone. Have we met? I don't think so. Why do you ask? There's something familiar about you. Your voice, I don't know. Turner stares at Jack for a few more moments. Before, finally, he turns back to yell into the house. Jazz! I'm gonna go sort this mess out. Don't let the boy do anything stupid. He storms forward, and Jack deftly moves aside, letting him pass. A few of the cops think about reaching for their weapons, but that thought is a very brief one. Come on, Mr. Turner. This better not take long. Kate starts coordinating with the uniforms, taking charge of Turner. Waving off the onlookers, Horning off the scene. This is going to be a long day, she thinks. In truth, she has no idea how right she is. Jack steps over broken glass as he moves inside the house. He takes note of how clean this place is. Almost sterile. Nothing out of place. Spotless. Except, of course for the small pockets of chaos that have burst out from beneath the surface of it all. An overturned chair, a picture askew, more shattered glassware. This isn't what it looks like. Jasmine Turner meets Jack in the kitchen. Behind her, young Augie half hides behind the doorway, fidgeting, uncertain. It's not. Everything's fine here. I promise. Jack nods. He holds up his ID and offers a comforting smile. It's all right, Mrs. Turner. Nobody's in trouble here. Uh, I'm Jack Dobson, a social worker with Calibrin Services. I don't work for the cops. And why are you here? Only to make sure everyone's all right. Uh, things got pretty intense out there. She's clutching herself. Protecting herself. Probably the boy, too. Her eyes are incredibly wide. We had an argument. That's all. She swallows hard. Liam is a good man, Mr. Dobson. A very good man. Those police just... This is all an overreaction. I got a little too loud. It was my fault. That's all. This is all my fault. I don't think you need to blame yourself for anything, Mrs. Turner. Sometimes people argue. 
She nods emphatically. Right. Yes. Exactly. I... Her eyes are racing around the room, looking for exits. But it's not Jack that she's scared of. Please. This is just... Easy. It's all right. Everyone's good here? Yes. Jack turns his gaze to young Augie and gives the boy a gentle wave. How about you, bud? You all right? Augie nods. Too hard. All right. I'm glad to hear that. A lot of people are worried. About you, too. About your dad, you know? It was just a stupid argument, Mr. Dobson. Please, it's... What's that like? I'm sorry? When you, you know, when you argue. Does it happen a lot? Every couple has their fights. This was just... Is it all right if I talk to the big guy here? I... Liam wouldn't... Just want to ask him a couple of things. No trouble. Jack jabs a thumb back through the window at the police arranged outside. Might be able to make them get out of your hair faster, honestly. She purses her lips, looks back and forth between Jack and her son. Finally, she nods, stepping back. Want to show me your room? Augie nods, leading Jack up the stairs. The room is impossibly neat, much like the rest of the house. Nothing like you'd expect from a boy Augie's age. Everything is neat and tidy. There are no real personal touches to speak of. No posters, no collectibles, no toys. Just a small bed, a desk, and chair, and a bureau for clothes. But it's the bed that catches Jack's eyes the most. The corners of the sheets are tucked in, under the mattress. And if I sit? Sure. Jack sits down gingerly in the chair at the desk. No toys or anything? Augie shakes his head. Oh, man, that's too bad. <laughs> when I was your age, I had <laughs> tons of toys. All kinds of action figures, play sets, puzzles. Crazy stuff, really. I think my parents were trying to keep me busy, you know? Augie smiles a bit at that, plopping down on his bed near Jack. When I was little, we used to play with my action figures a lot. Dad would always let me be the good guy. I miss when things were, you know, like that. But I don't play with those anymore. That's for little kids. It's dumb. Is that what you think? It's what Dad said. Ah, I gotcha. They don't always fight. My mom and my dad. They love each other. Augie starts picking at the fabric of his bedsheet. I love him. He's my dad. He just gets mad sometimes. What happens when he gets mad, Augie? I don't know. It's all right, Augie. You're safe here. This is just you and me hanging out, all right? Augie nods. You know, even if somebody is mad at us, even if it's somebody who loves us a whole lot, it's not all right for them to hurt us. You know that, right? Augie nods again. If someone's hurting you, even if you think they're mad at you, no matter who it is, you can tell me. I promise. For a long time, Augie stares at the carpet. Downstairs, Jack can hear movement. A lot of it. The police are interviewing Mrs. Turner, and after a few moments more between them, Augie speaks up. It's fine. Nobody's hurting me. Officer Morrison knocks gently on the doorframe of the boy's bedroom, announcing himself. Hey, you're Kate's friend. Jack, right? Jack Dobson, yeah, 
Uh, hey. Morrison, right? Yeah, good to meet you. Uh, listen, man, the wife's getting a little antsy down there. Keeps asking if you're supposed to be talking to him. He nods towards the boy. Jack gives the cop a small smile. Uh, well, that's subjective. Is it? Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> Time's up, Chief. Come on. Yeah, I've got it. He offers a smile to Augie. Come on, man. We've got to head downstairs. Your mom's asking for you. The three of them head back downstairs to find Mrs. Turner standing practically nose-to-nose -nose with one of the officers from outside. This is getting ridiculous. I've been fully cooperative, but this... This is turning into a circus. And I'm not... Everything's fine. We'll pay for the damages, but I don't... I'll, I'll call the mayor. I will. She looks at her son, now almost hiding behind Jack. Come here, Augie. Right now. Head down low. Augie hurries over to his mother. Morrison gives Jack a knowing look and the barest suggestion of a shrug. Look, I know this has been a real crazy day for everyone. Um, here. He reaches into his wallet and produces a business card. My, um, uh, office number is on the route ready, but, um, I I'm just gonna... Uh... He takes out a pen and quickly scribbles on the back. That's my personal cell there, all right? Day or night, if you need to talk about anything, you give me a call, all right? She stands rooted to the spot for a dozen heartbeats or more. He's not sure she'll take it, but eventually, with a noticeable tremor in her hand, she does. Nothing happened. I understand. It's all right, just in case, right? Jack goes to leave now, nodding one more time to Morrison. As he places a hand on the door, Augie calls out to him. Mr. Dobson? He's not always mad. Sometimes he gets really sad, too. You know, he just doesn't like to talk about it. Jack nods and leaves him with a smile that he hopes is encouraging. There's nothing else he can do. Not right now, anyway. Kate is all too aware that there's nothing to protect her here in the interrogation room. Even if she'd been allowed to enter with her weapon, the bullets would do as much good against Turner as they did against the Man in Black a few weeks ago. This man could turn her bones to powder, her insides to jelly. This is such a waste of my time. So naturally, she does the smart thing. She starts pissing him the hell off. Yeah? What are you gonna do about that? Throw some furniture around? Maybe terrorize your wife? Your son? Who the fuck do you think you are, lady? Detective. What? Detective. As far as you're concerned, that is my name. Capital D and everything. Not woman, not lady, not you, and certainly not the goddamn litany of misogynistic bullshit you've got brewing up in that meat sack on top of your goddamn shoulders. I will fucking have your badge, do you hear me? Do you know how often I've had some jackass in a costume say that shit to me? It is a long list, believe me. Listen, detective. I have friends. You can't talk to me like this. Mr. Turner, believe me. I'll talk to you and your friends however I please. What are you going to do about it then? He stares at her. She knows his fists are balled up tightly underneath the table. You going to threaten me? You going to put your hands on me? You going to put me in my place? She leans across the table. She can smell his aftershave as she stares into his eyes. It's revolting. I'm right here, big man. Let's fucking 
go. That's enough, Kavanaugh. The hell it is. You heard me. Mr. Turner, thank you for your time. You're free to go. Cap, what the fuck is this? Watch your mouth. Yeah, detective. Watch your mouth. As he stands, Liam Turner holds Kate's gaze the entire time. On the way out, he makes a point of shaking Donahue's hand. We all make mistakes, don't we? He leaves the room, and for a long moment, Kate just stares at her captain, practically numb in her anger. And three, two, one... What the fuck? There it is. What was that, Cap? I mean, what in the absolute blue sky unfathomable fuck was th that? came from the mayor's office. Oh, for fuck's sake. His honor was very insistent, Kate. Do I look like I give a shit? You certainly do not. Which is fine, really. Because the giving a shit thing is my job. Yours is to do what you're told. Is this more SH-27 bullshit? You need to stop asking about that, Kate. Or what? What? Go ahead. I want to know. No, Kate. You really don't. I am so fucking sick of this. Kate points angrily at the interrogation room door. You know what he is? You know what he fucking did? No. And neither do you. You're operating on gut instinct. You've got bad vibes. Abso-fucking-lutely. We've got no complaints. No signs of physical injury. We've got a public ruckus and a damaged cruiser that that man can pay for a few dozen times over without blinking. You bring me something else, and I'll personally tell the so-called champion to eat my beautiful black ass. But until then... This is bullshit, Cap. This is complete... I agree. You... What? I agree. Which is why I'm about to have what promises to be a real fucking exhausting meeting with his honor, Mayor Dick. And to tell him to eat my beautiful black ass. Just... Politely. You know, politically correct light. Donahue goes to leave again, but stops with his hand on the door. I'm trying, Kate. I know it might not always feel like it, but I'm fucking trying. Mayor Marlowe won over millions of hearts and minds when his company Martech Solutions developed a high-speed, clean energy monorail system fortified with the latest in metahuman resistant advances. Then he provided free public wireless access for all, utilizing his own patented light wave system. He billed himself as a humanitarian and a futurist. But Donahue knew that Marlowe was a politician from the jump. Now, standing here in the penthouse offices of Martech, staring at his honor's back, Donahue would seriously consider giving the smug bastard an express trip to the ground floor, if not for the space-age glass used for the windows, overlooking the city the prick had stolen out from under them all. Sir, did you hear what I said? The mayor remains silent, simply staring down at the city. Donahue can't see the man's face, but he knows the smirk spread across it now. Look, it's chaos out there. Between these man and black murders, the increased fly-eye traffic, all these new lawsuits. Sir, all I'm saying is, you can't just- And of course, that gets a rise out of the mayor. Can't. This guy's terrorizing his wife and kids, sir. Anybody with two brain cells to rub together can see it as plain as day. We're trying to look into it, 
but your office wants to keep running interference. You shouldn't be doing. Did you just try to tell me what I can't do, Donahue? Oh, here we fucking go. Captain, let's talk about this city. Let's talk about how things work around here. Let's talk about who runs this town. Because you, my friend, you seem to have forgotten. When I say jump, that's not just me saying it. That's the people of the city telling you to jump. When the people say jump, your place is to not only ask how high, but to apologize for the damage your thick skull does when it slams into the goddamn ceiling. Is that understood? Donahue's fists are clenched tightly at his sides. He's swallowed about two dozen expletives, staring down the barrel of Mayor Dick's best, cockiest, shit-eating grin, and he's about to say something that might very well cost him his job when the other person in the room speaks up. Mayor Marlowe? Madison Park cuts a look over at Donahue, who shrugs back at her. Better you than me, he tells her silently. Go ahead, Madison. By all means, speak bleeding heart to me. That's what you're here for, isn't it? Your Honor, my organization is here, in this city, trying to make things better for everyone. There's still so much learning and healing to be done in the wake of the downtown tragedy. You brought us on board to help the city move forward. What's your point, Miss Park? With respect, you're protecting an abuser. What you're telling the people of this city when you step in to protect someone like Liam Turner? What I'm telling the people, Miss Park, is that I won't allow the remaining heroes of this city to be dragged down with lies, slander, and outrageous accusations. That is not what's happening here, sir. No? Did Miss Turner make a complaint? No. Did this social worker of yours who harassed Mrs. Turner... That's not what he... Did she or the boy disclose anything to him about abuse? <sighs> Even if they had, I wouldn't be able to tell you that, sir. But as it happens, I do not believe they did. Got it. And you, Captain Donahue, apart from the unfortunate incident with the squad car and a situation which one of our greatest heroes says he felt threatened and persecuted, a situation for which he is already prepared to make financial restitution, did your officers witness any abuse taking place? <clears throat> No, sir. I... No. Then why, in the absolute sky-blue fuck, is everyone trying to needlessly complicate my life? I mean, what is wrong with you people? You people? Sir? Oh, don't you fucking dare, Captain. I let you keep your job, out of the goodness of my fucking heart. After what happened with Captain Fury back then, I could've run your ass back down to being a meter maid. Did you forget? No, sir. Fucking wonderful. And... He turns to Madison now. Now you. 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 It's always the fucking women. I swear to God, Miss Park, I appreciate the services you and your group provide. It's beyond question that we have a far harder time keeping things from falling into chaos. But even so, you're here at my pleasure. Anytime I could have you and your shrinks, and your lawyers, and your high-priced cut-a-box consultants fucked back off into the sunset. Go sing Kumbaya in another city willing to pay your ludicrous contract fees. I'm still in charge of you. Do you hear me? 
The stare Madison Park gives the mayor now is one Donahue relishes, mostly because it's not being directed at him. Your Honor, I am very pleased to be able to continue providing services to you and your city. Great. Good. Fan-fucking-tastic. So glad we had this talk. With that, the mayor strides back to his desk and punches the intercom. <sighs> Carrie, tell my masseuse that we're still on schedule. The little people are leaving now. The mayor makes an exaggerated gesture towards the door. That was your cue. That was a roundabout way of saying, get the fuck out. I have a city to run. Madison leaves first. Donahue takes a few moments more, but eventually, he too leaves the mayor to his small victory over them. Out in the hall, though, he finds that Madison is still waiting for him. William. Oh, fuck me. Am I gonna get shit from you now, too? Not at all. Commiseration. The mayor is... challenging. Fucking spoiled lunatic tech bro with an ego and a fortune as massive as his dick is small. Fucking hate that guy. Understandable. Donahue gives Madison a very pointed look. What do you going to do about it? I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. Sure. Everything has its time and its place, William. Even troublesome people like Mayor Marlowe. Yeah. Well, talking about people and times and places, there's another problem you should know about. Is that so? One of my detectives is asking a lot of questions about SH-27. Hmm. So handle it. I'm doing my best. No. William, remember our arrangement? I know. I... She's just very insistent. She? Her name's Kavanaugh. She's new to the KB. She's chasing this serial killer case, the man in black. Bumped up against the red man files, so she's been asking about it ever since. Well, distractions won't do. This is too important. Listen, she's good people, Miss Park. I don't doubt it. She heaves a sigh and Donahue realizes now that his palms are sweating. William, you're a good man, and we're on the same side. So I'm not going to do something so barbaric as threaten you, but you have to understand. I'm trying to save a lot more than just this city. You can't begin to imagine what's at stake. So please understand, I'm not going to let anything get in the way. Not you, not your people, not drunken child-beating capes, not black-clad vigilantes, not anyone else. She takes his hand in hers. Donahue doesn't remember seeing her move to close the distance between them. Take care of it, William. She walks away from him then, leaving him alone in the hall. And Donahue wonders, not for the first time, how the hell they all ended up here. Kate decided that she could either stay at home being mad at the world, mad at the self-appointed gods enjoying carte blanche of the whole damn city, or she could get some air, get a drink, at least find someone to rant to. Another round for me and my friend. Oh my! Are we friends now? The problem, of course, is that not many people like her, and she likes even less of them. So... 
It's an expression. Oh, don't ruin the moment, Kate. I love character development. Fuck, this was a mistake. No, 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 no. Seriously. Thank you. It's good to get out. <sighs> sure. So, you... It sounds as though you've had a hell of a day. Hmm, more shitbag capes thinking the rules don't apply to them. Doesn't get any easier. She knocks back her drink. Motions for the bartender. Uh, oh. Perhaps you should slow down. Perhaps you should keep your opinions to yourself. Hey, thanks. Keep them coming. Oh, dear. And how does meeting with the mayor went all that well? I mean, is this how it's going to be now? These cape fucks just have at it and we grin through our teeth? I'm sure your captain is just trying his best, Kate. Honestly, we all are. Some days I'm not so sure. Dr. K sips her own drink thoughtfully for a moment before she speaks again. Perhaps the frustration you have is something like what your killer feels. Maybe he's just trying to do something about all of this in his own way. Kate shoots back another drink. What is it with you? How do you mean? I mean, have you got a crush on this guy or what? Do you want his phone number? <laughs> Come on, Kate. No, no, I am serious. Who am I to judge what middle-class white girl is a goo-goo-ga-ga for serial killers? You know what? When I finally figure out who's under that stupid helmet, after I kick his ass and slap some fucking handcuffs on him, I'll let him know that he's got at least one really beautiful brainy fangirl out there. It'll be a comfort to him while he rots away the rest of his life. I think you just complimented me. Not sure if you noticed. I'm drinking. Shut up. And what's the fucking K stand for anyway? I've known you a couple years now and I still don't know. You've seen my reports. My name is on them. Okay, yeah, but I've never heard it spoken out loud. I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Think of it as my secret identity, Kate. Fuck you. Do you have any superpowers besides being smart, hot, and annoying? <laughs> Nope. Just those. I hate you so much. <laughs> Bartender, another for me, thank you. Kate has half a mind to let herself go comatose in the back of the cab if she could manage it. But then she gets mm. a text message. When she reads it, she sobers up. Quickly. God damn it. What is it? What's wrong? Kate's already gotten to her feet, pulling on her coat. The doctor follows suit. I need you to drive me to Heartsong Medical. Of course, what's the- The Turner kid is in the hospital. It's, it's bad this time, real bad. Oh my God. Son of a bitch. Enough of this shit. Fuck the captain, fuck the mayor. I'm gonna nail this motherfucker. Get me out of here. Of course, let's go. With that, the two women head out. The night looms long over the city. And the worst part of it all is None of this is anywhere close to being over. Episode 2 of Apex Shadow is dedicated to Leonard McVicker. Thank you for always believing in me.